Hey, what up? And welcome to the Water with Lemon podcast. This is Emma Cook, your host, and I am a fellow 20-something creating this podcast for you, my 20-something friends, or 20-somethings at heart. My hope and prayer is that you walk away from each episode feeling encouraged, challenged, and refreshed in your walk with the Lord. I invite some legit older, wiser women on to help us along this journey and remind us that we will indeed survive. I am pumped that you're here. Hey ladies, welcome back to the podcast and thanks for joining in on this week's episode. This week I get to sit down with my friend and pastor, Jamin Roller. I asked Jamin to come on and talk with me about mental health. This is a topic that is so prevalent in today's world and so real and so personal to many of us in our 20s. In Matthew 11, it says that when we go to the Father, He will take our heavy burdens and give us rest. Jamin dives deep into how we can combat lies from the enemy in order to maintain a healthy mental state. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. So let's get on with it. All right, Jamin, well, welcome to the Wire with Lemon podcast. I'm excited to have you today. I'm honored to be on. I really am. I'm excited. Yes, I was just telling you that you're maybe, yeah, my fourth male that I've had on. So it's very exciting when people realize, oh, that's not a woman <laughs> on the podcast. Today. Hopefully they've discovered that pretty early on. Yeah, that's intimidating yeah. for me, I yeah. think. Yeah. No, it just makes you more important, more exciting, <laughs> right? We, we want to hear your words. I don't, you know, I want to be able to hear from you guys too. You well, know, that's speaking awesome. Into us. So why don't you start us off and just tell us a little bit about you, what your life looks like these days. I'm Jamin, and I am married to Carrie. Mm-hmm. We've been married for 11 and a half years now. Pretty good. We have. It's been good. Yeah, good is a fair word. For <laughs> uh, we have three kids. So Asher, who's eight, Adeline is six, and Ayla, who is 18 months, going on 19. I might have, give or take a few weeks. I yeah, think. yeah. Uh, so I am a lead pastor of Citizens Church, which is where we are right now, right. live at Citizens Church yes. in the studio. Uh, and uh, yeah, been in ministry for, oh, maybe 12, 13 years now. So um, yeah, that's, there's a life is really right now, it is uh, home, uh, mm. church, back home, basically, yeah. and then an occasional, you know, uh, event or something like that. But yeah, that's yeah. us. Yeah, that's awesome. And like you said, this is live. So this might sound a little bit different yeah. from other episodes, which is exciting. So there's multiple ways that this is an exciting episode. Today. That's awesome. I'm glad to be a part of that. <laughs> yes. I am glad. I know you didn't ask, but I'm just I'm glad that this exists. Mm. It's like it's special that this is for, for whoever's listening just to be yeah. able to to have this like it's meaningful and so mm. just when i when i first discovered that you do this i was just i think the word was just gratitude that i'm just mm. grateful for your work in this and just to to see it to, and uh, yeah as a pastor seeing it in a lot of ways just mm. as an extension of just the, the ministry here as god's working through yeah. so many people here but then specifically working through you in this in the very specific work and so yeah. i know it's it's going out in ways that probably even exceed what you know what you could expect which is just that's of the Lord. That's the kind of work that God does. So it's just so encouraging. So to Thank get to you. be the fourth guy, episode 51, <laughs> for the first time live at Citizens yes. Church is special to me. So. Yes. Well, thank you for being a part of it because I couldn't do it without, you know, having guests on and 
I love being able to just, you know, this is what I love being able to Mm -hmm. sit, you know, now across the table. It's so weird because I'm usually behind a screen and talking sometimes not even looking at somebody. So, uh, but this is what I love and love just, you know, hearing from people and hearing their stories. And so God has really blessed me. I mean, I can't even believe that I released 50 episodes already. Mm -hmm. That's like totally mind blowing to me. Yeah. And it's awesome. God has been so faithful, you know, mm. it's been so cool. So um, I always like to ask what my guest's life was like in their 20s, Okay, since it's 420s. So yeah. just kind of like, what was good? What was hard? Tell me like about your 20s. Yeah. I, so I, Carrie and I uh, got married, I was 21. Mm. And so married young, we obviously, which, which meant, you know, 20, Mm-hmm. Uh, year tw- year twenty was uh, so much preparing for marriage, right? So it was like I'm thinking, you know, I'm uh, I'm turning twenty. I don't even know the year, two thousand seven, right? <laughs> so I'm turning twenty in two thousand seven, and I'm already kind of thinking marriage, planning marriage, and that was a lot of prep. And then you know, you go into uh, two thousand eight is when mm-hmm. we got married, and so uh, I also was kind of I was in ministry at that point, uh, but then uh, really just kind of in a season of transition. I was in Bible college and doing ministry, mm-hmm. and so uh, we ended up moving a few years into our marriage, and then uh, we had Asher. Uh, almost three years into marriage, and then about two years after that, had Adeline, and so, and there were moves in there. So my, my 20s were, uh, you know, from 20 to 29, it was one change after another, and they mm-hmm. were all pretty, I mean, houses and jobs and babies and, uh, you know, and loss and suffering and all that. So it just, it just felt, um, it just felt uh, like a decade for me of transition, yeah. uh, which I don't think maybe uh, maybe there aren't quite as many people marrying at 21 now, mm-hmm. but it still seems like 20s are a decade of transition for a lot yes. of people, right? They could resonate with the idea of new job and relationships and lots of change mm-hmm. and loss and all that. So yes. yeah, that that was that was it for us. That's like probably the number one word I hear in that question when I ask guests about their 20s is it was a time of transition. Mm. I mean, that's just so huge. And that's Mm -hmm. what I thought about a lot in starting this podcast was, man, we transition so much, whether it's to college, out of college, get married, get in your first job, kids, house, like it's so many decisions. It's so many transitions. And that can be so shaking for us, Mm -hmm. especially for people who, you know, maybe rely on comfort or rely on things not to change. And so that can be really hard. So it's really interesting because I always hear that, you know, the, it's all about transitions. Hmm. So it's really interesting yeah, to always hear that over and over again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think that, you know, some of it's just natural, I guess, stage of life. Yeah. Um, and then, and then in that, right, there's so much what the transition does, I guess the effect it has on you is it's just, it could be destabilizing, you know, it can mm. be like the, the, the soul, the heart wanting to settle and yeah. yet feeling like there's this constant churning that's taking place. And so mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's definitely a unique time. It was, it was a unique time for us for sure. Yeah. Um, and I, I say that I'm, so I'm 32. So I've, I have only just out of been it. out of it just for just a it. few years and it <laughs> yes. doesn't, doesn't feel a whole lot different, but yeah. Right. But I've always heard that it does like seem 
a little bit, I guess, compared to it seems like it slows and is more consistent, like 30s and 40s, because it's like, okay, family established or, you know, Mm -hmm. for some people. And then, you know, you kind of just trek along with that is what I've what I've heard. But yeah, I think what uh, this is just my experience. Some of my observations as it's into 30s, most of my friends maybe in their 30s is that the if the decade of the 20s is about kind of that transition and if it feels unsettling, right, that a lot of the 30s is what begins to settle is not as much your life and it's not as much that there's not change, at least it's been my experience. It's mm-hmm. that in your 30s, you become more settled in all around you that might mm. still be changing. Makes sense. That it's, and and I don't think that you have to wait to your 30s to begin experiencing of that. Course, I'm just yeah. saying for, in my journey and in some of those closest, it's like the 30s was, as I've talked and as we've reflected back, it's like, I, I think it's in the 30s that I'm beginning to settle into kind of how God's made me, mm. like settle into who I am, not who I am in Christ, right? That's fixed mm-hmm. and that's been declared over us the moment that he, you know, saved us and transferred us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son. So that's that's fixed. So I don't mean mm-hmm. it in any sort of like self-help kind of way, right? But yeah. just the, the uniqueness of how God's wired everyone, for me, I have learned more about that in just the few years of my of my 30s than, mm-hmm. than I think I paid attention to in my 20s. And But it took the shifting and the churning of the 20s for that for those lessons to land the way that right. they did in right. the 30s, if that makes sense. Yes, totally. Yeah. Just more about like who God created you to be. And they talk a lot about that, you know, in, in your 20s too, but you know, maybe that just kind of all comes together in a way, hmm. hopefully. Everybody's journey is different, too, sure. you know, but learning who you are. I feel like with the Enneagram and things like yes. that has been helpful, at least for me, in in learning that. So, yeah. Yeah. So for me, I'm a six. Okay. Wing, strong, strong wing seven. Okay. That's awesome. <laughs> but they really clash. So it's uh-huh. like I am motivated by like fear and anxiety yet I like want to do everything and anything so like those hold me back a lot of times mm-hmm. and so it's like this really interesting thing but it that's also helpful in just understanding who you are I think mm-hmm. has been a helpful thing but mostly just seeing how God's working so yeah. Yeah. um but I wanted to have you on today Jamin because I want to talk about mental health and this is something that's been requested by a lot of my listeners. And I just think it's something that needs to be talked about and talked about more, especially with the vision of, uh, again, like connecting to what we were talking about, just understanding who we are and understanding what's going on in our head and heart. Mm -hmm. So let's kind of talk about that. And and would you just kind of start us off by talking about how you think mental health is affecting us as a generation? Yeah, it's so important. It really is such an important conversation. And, and you know, where I want to be clear is there are a few buckets that this conversation mm-hmm. kind of falls in. And, you know, one of those buckets would be uh, a, 
the bucket that is maybe more clinical mm. uh, and more physiological, right? If you talk about, uh, I don't know, maybe what it would be, you know, under mental health, you can think about certain disorders and you can think about the kinds of, um, you know, the kinds of uh, mental health issues that, you know, you really do need to consult like a professional. And I said all that to say this, that I, I'm not, I'm not in that bucket. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think, I think that you can, um, you know, uh, it could be naive to speak kind of in that bucket, just from where I am mm-hmm. and in my experiences. So when I when I think about mental health, you know, as a pastor, not not that the Bible has nothing to say to that other bucket, and not that there's not uh, wisdom uh, in community and in and in biblical counsel to that other. But when I when I think mm-hmm. about it, I just think about what would maybe be this other bucket, which is just the more normative, everyday. Uh, kind of struggle of someone's inner thought life, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and what and how you're seeing that reflected uh, in the statistics about rising rates of anxiety and just uh, just becoming a. It's interesting becoming a society that has more security in the Western world, like becoming a society that has more security, maybe financially, more access to information, Mm. uh, less wait time for things that you really want. And Mm. yet, as as those things that would present as offering security are growing, at the same time, we're also growing more fearful. Mm. And what is that, you know, and that, uh, and obviously we know what that is, is that you're not, you're not going to find, you know, life stability in those kinds of things. But I think this really became, um, this really became, came on my radar a little bit more personally in the last few years. I got uh, some time off and just some extended time to just spend time with the Lord and think. And there were a lot of takeaways from that. Um, And it had come at the end of a, just a, just an exhausting season but one of the things I began to pay attention to was uh, my thought life. Mm-hmm. And uh, what I would say is uh, I was alarmed by how uh, godless my thought life was. Mm. By that, I don't mean ungodly, like unrighteous, but just absent of God. Yeah. And it's in the, in the normative everyday, uh, just the amount of time I would spend in conversation with myself, Mm. Uh, internally and intellectually, and how little that conversation factored in the existence of God at all. Mm. Whether that's in decision making, whether that's in uh, you know just kind of thinking through my my own you know processing through my own insecurities internally, uh, mm. thinking through plans for the future, thinking through marriage, and thinking through hopes for my kids and all that, and just how how little. Um, any of of that line of thinking included uh, prayer, mm-hmm. uh, included like petitioning God, uh, and, and I think I say that because I I think that in so many ways they are connected, right? That yeah. we uh, left to ourselves in our heads, if we're thinking mental health, and we're thinking about just kind of tracing. Uh, the direction of the thoughts. And mm-hmm. I think it's helpful, at least for me, to think about thoughts as this conversation you're having with you. Yeah. And uh, and just so often how uh, uncharitable we are to ourselves yeah. in that thought life. And so often how, um, you know, how alone we can feel in that and maybe isolated we can feel in that. Mm-hmm. And I really do think that for the Christian 
uh, that's where a lot of this journey begins is is not necessarily starting with the symptoms, maybe. So like starting with the symptom of if I feel anxious, what do I do about my anxiety? But maybe starting with the, uh, a very basic, it, it sounds maybe even juvenile, but but the question of just who am I talking to mm-hmm. throughout the day? And uh, to just pay attention to that, uh, I think, is a is a healthy starting place for the Christian of, you know, uh, maybe beginning to take some steps towards growth and sanctification and, and those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How did you, I was, I was thinking about that and just even thinking about my own, my own thought life. And like you said, we are our biggest critics. And so a lot of times our thoughts, you know, <laughs> are very critical of ourselves and mm-hmm. things like that. Um, and so in that season for you, when you were noticing some of those things, like how did you kind of, you know, take those captive or kind of start to change um, maybe the way that you were thinking or or noticing that? Yeah, that's a wonderful question. I think what it started with was um, it, it started, it was important to be able to categorize, like it was important for me to be able to identify uh, that inner dialogue and then to just kind of um, name it. So mm-hmm. if you read through, there's a, a really good book by, uh, the last name's Thompson. I think his first name's Kurt. Uh, I might've gotten that wrong. The book title is called Soul of Shame. Mm-hmm. It's a super helpful book. And he he describes that uh, inner dialogue. Um, says you usually when you are having a conversation with yourself, you're talking to, uh, the phrase he coined was a shame attendant is what mm. he called it. And the shame attendant is this kind of fictitious character that you're talking to. And it's going to go, for me, it's, it's going to go a couple of different ways, right? The shame attendant would manifest as a conversation I'm happening like with someone in my life mm-hmm. that I'm not actually talking to, but it would be like a, so for a lot of people, this would be like in their inner dialogue, they will be thinking about if they had like an unhealthy relationship with a parent, then they would be thinking about what would they be thinking about my life right now? Or what would mm. they be thinking about my decisions right now? Or how would what would they be saying about me if they could see me right now? Or that kind of thing is motivating who I want to be and how I want to prove them wrong, right? Which is why mm. everyone today has haters. Doesn't matter uh, how famous you are or not famous you are, right? Everyone's got some sort of some sort of critic. And, and what mm-hmm. that is, in a lot of ways, is that's just us responding uh, to a close relationship or someone who's in close proximity, and maybe there's unhealth in that relationship, or maybe there's a desire to uh, to people please in that relationship. And so, mm-hmm. in between that, um, and, and 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 as that manifests into a conversation you're having in your head, so often. It's just not actually who that person is, or it's just not helping you become who you want to become, right? Yeah. So like that that motivation that, that someone would get from what they think their mom or dad isn't saying about their life or what they think that the ex you know, relationship is or isn't thinking or saying about their life, mm-hmm. that actually doesn't produce in us a whole lot of actual growth or a whole lot of actual transformation, right? Yeah. Uh, the other the other way, so if it's like this critic, right? If it's kind of this inner critic or this shame attendant, uh, I think the the other side of it um, is the other conversation I realized I was having is with uh, like a future um, version mm-hmm. of me, yeah. right? And we we talk about this a lot here mm-hmm. at Citizens, right? That that uh, there is some sort of projection 
of who I think I should be. It's mm-hmm. not who I actually am, and yet I am dialoguing. Now, when I say this, I'm not saying I'm literally talking out loud to myself, right? <laughs> it's okay. So just, uh, it's okay if you are. It, it's I do happened too. occasionally, <laughs> but mostly it's just internal, right? But it's that conversation with that future version that is that is giving, uh, you know, real time judgments mm. about how close you are or aren't to becoming that future yeah. version, and so. It, it was important to be able to go through the process of journaling some of that out, of just paying attention, like especially when I have time that's just mine mm-hmm. or time that's time of waiting. If mm-hmm. it's in the car, at the stoplight, you know, if it's at the doctor's office, if it's 30 minutes that just surprisingly aren't filled with something, like mm-hmm. where do the thoughts go? What's kind of that internal pressure and where's it coming from? So yeah. being able to identify that, for me, it looked like writing it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, it looked like it looked like forcing myself into some of those quiet spaces to just say, I'm going to sit still for five minutes mm-hmm. and pay attention. If you read any of kind of the older, maybe spiritual discipline guys mm-hmm. or, or women, mm-hmm. they'll talk about it as like contemplative prayer. where you are intentionally spending time in like silence or contemplation. And you're doing that to, to, to be able to see kind of what comes out of the surface of your life Mm -hmm. that you might then turn that into prayer to God. So here's, here's where it would get really special and sweet is to be able to kind of look at the thoughts that came that that kind of bubbled out. Right. Mm -hmm. And to be able to look at the inner dialogue and I, and I'm talking about this in past tense as if I'm beyond it. I'm not. I'm mm. right. I'm right <laughs> in in the middle of it. So what is special is to be able to just say, okay, here here's the critical conversation I'm having in my head. Here's the shameful shame, kind of the shame filled conversation I'm having in my head. Here's here's what all of those things reveal about what I think about me and what I think about life mm. and what I think about success. And then to take that and to overlay that with what I know to be true about me in God's eyes is just so cathartic. Yeah. And um, and just it it is it is the application of the gospel to this area of life that maybe maybe it's happening, but at least for me, I wasn't hearing a lot about or wasn't taught a lot how to do necessarily, yeah. you know. And so to to in my journal, a lot of times what it looked like is just kind of drawing a line in the middle of the page. <laughs> and then on the left-hand side, it's like my thoughts about me or my conversation about me. And on the right side, it was God's about me informed mm-hmm. by the Psalms. And nice. so it was always this happening with the Psalm open so that I could overlay David's prayers mm-hmm. mostly with my thoughts so that I would be, and, and what God is beginning to do is to mm-hmm. forge, and here's kind of where it comes back around, a, a mental life that is healthy. Yeah. And by healthy, I don't mean free of anxiety necessarily, or by healthy, I don't mean free of intrusive thoughts or shameful thoughts. By healthy, I mean it has a place to go mm-hmm. with those things that is actually true uh, and is actually talking to a real person. Yeah, I think that's what's been so, uh, it has felt so simple and yet so profound at the same time mm. that it's like that inner conversation that I'm having with myself, I'm not talking to anybody. Mm. If, it's the, if it's the person in my life that I think is critical, I'm not actually having the conversation with them because usually if it was with them, it wouldn't quite go yeah. 
the route that maybe I, I would think in my head. If I'm having it with the future version of Jamin, that guy is fictitious mm -hmm. and he probably never will exist. <laughs> but to have that conversation with the God of the universe who is present now, Jesus says, as he's ascending, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And so to be able to have that conversation with Jesus mm -hmm. has just been um has just been such a freeing starting place in yeah. a lot of ways. Yeah. That may have gone further in it's, that answer than what you asked for. No, but, but it's great. And you know, I'm thinking during that, I'm like, so you mean to tell me, Jamin, that you don't pick up your phone anytime you're in a moment of waiting? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And that's something for me, even just in the last like week that I've challenged myself to do, um, specifically from a lady in my home group in preparing for um Christmas and we're in a season of of waiting mm -hmm. and thinking about what it's like to wait um, for the king and for him to come again. Um, and so practically in our lives, what what would it look like, you know, to remember that anytime we're in a moment of waiting and man, <laughs> it has been so crazy to go throughout my day and realize all the times, you know, whether it is at a stoplight mm -hmm. or, you know, whenever it is where you're just kind of being, yeah, you know, and to not pick up that thing or, um, you know, just to think yeah. or pray and things like that. And so do you think that this evil but great at the same time <laughs> smartphone has really influenced us in that way? Like, do you think that that's one of the, you know, reasons that it's on a rise, you know, sure. what, what do you think is causing like the rise in it? I think that there's a couple of things happening at the same time. I think that culturally we have, um, we have assigned, uh, certain qualities to our emotions. So we'll talk about emotions that are positive mm -hmm. and emotions that are negative. So a negative emotion would be anger or even a negative emotion would be boredom. Mm. or a negative emotion would be sadness or anxiety and or oftentimes right if in the waiting what we feel in the waiting is loneliness mm. uh, i feel unseen right and it, that's not um I, I don't think that's a biblical lens through which to see our emotions i don't know that the bible would talk about positive emotions or negative emotions in fact you know god is where he's described as being a jealous God. God is mm. described as being a God who is moved to anger. And so to think uh, negative uh, and then associate that with God, it feels a little bit like a miss. Mm -hmm. uh, I think there are emotions that are difficult mm. and emotions that are easier, right? If I had to choose between joy or sadness, I obviously would choose joy. Mm. But I think that the the if you think about the cultural messaging, right, like good vibes only, or no negative energy, right? Yeah. Those kinds of things. Um, or even like the whole not today mentality, right? What we mean by that is you're not gonna bring me down, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not going to, and oftentimes if you were to tease that out, what it means is you're not gonna make me feel a certain way, mm -hmm. or I'm gonna refuse to feel a certain way. And it actually is the history of our Christian tradition going back even to, you know, even before David, but especially you see David in the Psalms is mm -hmm. he didn't avoid those. Yeah, He didn't avoid the emotions we call negative. 
he entered into the ones that were more difficult, were honest mm. about the ones that are more difficult. And I think that if it's true, uh, or if we're operating under the idea that I want to avoid, if you think about somebody says, how was your day? Mm. And you say it was a bad day. Usually what follows that is the description of how I felt about what happened in my day. Not yeah. all the times, but often, right? And so if that's true, right, if that's true about about life, and I think a lot of us have embraced that uh, even subconsciously, well, what you have, if you don't want to feel a negative emotion, is you have something in your pocket hmm. and or you have things all around you that as soon as you begin to feel, as soon as that sense of loneliness, I can connect with my, you know, 500 f- friends on Instagram or however many on Facebook, right? It's all my friends and my grandma on there, right? And so <laughs> I can, I can, I can, I can stave off the sense of loneliness if it's a sense of just, uh, again, just kind of being afraid of the silence or being afraid of not having anything to do. Mm-hmm. And what it is is, si- so there has been so a culture that places this value on emotions that are difficult, mm-hmm. and you shouldn't want them or you shouldn't feel them, or, or mostly uh, there's nothing in them for you, right? Mm -hmm. So they're to be avoided. And at the same time, there's this mechanism that's come that lets us escape. Mm -hmm. And those have kind of, and I I think that that together has contributed to uh, to a lot of, you know, what what we're talking about mental health, because it's people who are divorced from who they actually are mm-hmm. and how they're actually feeling because those negative emotions, <laughs> see, those yeah. difficult emotions yeah. uh, are actually saying something about what we believe about the world. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean that those difficult emotions, that we, that we should feel them, but that we are feeling them doesn't mean that we should ignore them because it's usually, and uh, an even more so maybe, in the difficult emotions that we see what we actually believe about life Mm-hmm. and what we actually believe about God. So connected to our disappointments in any day is our worldview about what we believed God owed mm-hmm. us in that day or what we believe would make a, a successful life in that day. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I think it... I think it's easy, and I don't want to be the guy kind of taking shots at the iPhone because one, it just kind of feels a little bit cliche, and then also too, what's ironic is as I as I think about kind of starting through some of that contemplative journaling, I yeah. used my iPhone to set my timer on that sure, right, and so yeah. it's there and it's present, and um, and there are helpful things, but to your point, if there's not intentionality around it, it's just uh, I, I don't know that the the human problem has changed much since the garden. Um, but I mm-hmm. do think that there are these new mechanisms for the problem to hide yeah. or for the problem to go undealt with. And it absolutely is the case mm. that iPhone and all that's connected to it, social media and all that is is something that the Christian has to be wise and winsome about. Yeah. Or um, it's it's going to shape you into something that, that you... Uh, are not intentionally, I think, trying to trying to become. Hmm. Yeah. The word that super stuck out to me was escaping. Mm-hmm. You know, and w- in dealing with some of those things, that it's so easy for us to escape or distract, right? Mm-hmm. From from feeling that, and I I don't think that's a new thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's being talked about more and more, and maybe we have more, you know. Um, 
ways to do that technology wise, maybe to distract. But like you said, this is not a new thing. Mm -hmm. This is, this started in the garden, Mm -hmm. you know, this, this hiding and escaping started there. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, but maybe to, maybe now, um, how, what are some maybe practical ways that we can kind of keep from escaping or just even recognize some of the things in our life that maybe we are um, distracting ourselves from what we actually feel and escaping from that instead of going to the Lord and being like, okay, this is how I feel. And like, let's talk about it and let's figure out what this means about me and and what this, what you desire for me in this. Yeah. Does that make sense? Great question. And I think it's so counterintuitive. The answer I would give is so counterintuitive. Um, but it's not a new answer. Just so to your point that in a lot of ways, these are not new problems in, mm-hmm. in them not being new problems. There aren't new solutions for yeah. it. So the answer is old. And, and that is to intentionally create spaces in your life where you're going to face the very things you're wanting to escape. Hmm. So, uh, you know, if you, if you think about how believers have communed with God since Jesus and even before. It's like these age-old practices that at a time in my life I kind of rolled my eyes at because they felt so, you know, just so cliche and maybe even a little stuffy. Hmm. But you think about something like fasting. And what fasting is, is, is it is not just I'm going to stop eating so that when I'm hungry I think about God, although there is something of truth to that. Mm-hmm. It is I'm going to... I'm going to align with uh, I'm going to align my physical reality that I need food to survive with a spiritual reality that I have ultimately all that is uh, broken in my life stems from a need for God mm. and stems from uh, a fact that I am aching for for God. I, I say it all the time because I love it and it means so much to me, but Augustine said this in his book Confessions, uh, you've made it, he's praying, you've made us for yourself and our heart is restless until it Mm -hmm. rests in you. And so I think for us, especially now, it is creating some of that, or at least creating um, mechanisms in our life, spaces in our life that are going to force us to confront some of that restlessness that we might then turn to God, right? So so fasting, if it's fasting from the phone, right? Um, Or fasting from food, it's so countercultural, mm-hmm. but time where you intentionally every day are alone and are silent, mm-hmm. and it's it's scary um, because because you quickly learn how bad you are. At least for me, I quickly learn how bad I am at being alone and being mm-hmm. quiet. Yeah, and really, what that is is that that is my heart telling me that I have grown so accustomed to speaking mm. and so accustomed to being heard, and I am out of the practice of sitting and listening to God mm. and sitting and waiting on God, even if you know I can't hear him speak audibly because I, I believe that he's there. And so I, I think that the, the, way, the way through it, the way through the desire to escape is, uh, is by putting yourself in situations where you can't escape mm-hmm. um, so that the heart begins to be conditioned. Like, it, I think we underestimate how formed 
we are by the habits in our life, and everyone mm-hmm. is living a habitual life. Mm-hmm. Now, not everyone is is uh, proud of the habits that they have. Not mm-hmm. everyone is aware of the habits that they have. But it, you don't have to. You don't have to teach yourself in that moment of of boredom. Mm-hmm. You don't have to teach yourself to reach into your pocket. It's it's muscle memory, right? Yeah. Because that is a, a habit that has that has formed, right? Um, you don't have to, to, to teach yourself, right, to kind of move towards those kinds of escaping. So I think it's this. I think it's as a Christian, uh, am I, do I, am, am I aware of mm-hmm. and okay with the habits that I've chosen? And do I believe that if I look a year from now, two years from now, do I believe that the habits in my life are going to help form me into who I want to become, which is more like Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. So I think all of that, all that works together, ties yes. in together. Yeah. Yes, I love that. I love that. So any like final encouragement you have for just believers, ladies in their twenties, that you know maybe do struggle with anxiety, depression, anything that kind of stems from maybe that unhealth. Mm. Yeah, I think. I mean, I I obviously would love the conversation. Every person's just different and yeah. every person's unique. And so I think that um, depending on what that struggle feels like or how that manifests, right? Because again, to, to kind of go back, I, I would never want to, I would never want to dishonor someone's experience by offering, you know, some sort of, you know, quick fix or some sort of like, you know, you try answer or anything like mm-hmm. that. But, but I do think overall it would just be to... Uh, you talk to you more than anyone else talks to you. Mm. And are your words to and about you, are they agreeing with God's words to and about you, or are they disagreeing with God's words to and about you? And I just think it's a good starting place for anyone. Mm. I also think this, and and maybe it's not a direct answer to your question, but I just, in thinking about today, I just spent so much of my 20s thinking that... Uh, that I would begin to live in the next season. Hmm. Dating, I'm going to begin to live when I'm engaged. Engaged, I'm going to begin to live when I'm married. Married, I'm going to begin to live when I have kids, right? And just on and on. Mm -hmm. In in this one ministry job, I'm going to begin to live when I'm in a different one, right? And, you know, I I know this is not news, but the spoiler alert is it just never comes, Mm -hmm. you know? And even if it does, it just never lasts long. And so I, I think I... I just wish I had spent more time looking around and saying, gosh, this is, uh, this is meaningful. Mm-hmm. And this life I'm in, these roommates I have, these tests I have to take, right? Mm-hmm. This new job I'm just starting for the first time, mm-hmm. this thing that I'm applying for, this community, like this, these people around me, there are, there are uh, the, the social circle just changes so fast. Mm-hmm. And to look back and just say, I wish I... I wanted so bad my circumstances to speed up so that I could get into the next mm-hmm. season. And I just wish I had slowed down in the season I was in. Yes. And I don't think they're disconnected. I think the slowing down and the feeling more peace, uh, those things are... Because when you're living in the future, most often you are afraid that you won't actualize that future Hmm. or you think that you are in control of bringing that future about 
and we are small people in a big world that mm. is under the control of an even bigger God. There's a, I don't, I don't remember the psalm, but there's a, a psalm that talks about the uh, the brevity of life. It's one of those that life is a whisper and it's here today and gone later today yes. and uh, teach me to number my days, O Lord. And then the verse right after, the, right after talking about how short life is, the verse says, wait on the Lord. Hmm. In a life that goes by so quickly, you live in a meaningful way in that quick life by slowing down with God hmm. and by waiting on God. And I, uh, I, it, I wish I began learning that lesson mm. uh, a couple years ago or mm. 10, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so true. Cause it's like, we can't put our hope in tomorrow or 10 years mm -hmm. or 20 years. Cause we are not promised that, mm. but also that's not supposed to be our ultimate hope. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we can make an idol out of just desiring the next step. Yeah. You know, and I don't think we think about that often of if that's something we're constantly thinking about, like, oh man, finally, like when I find a husband, oh man, finally, when I'm able to get this next promotion, mm -hmm. that will be my moment. Yeah. You know, then, then I'll be okay. Then that's saying that our hope and security is in something else yeah. outside of Christ, right? Absolutely. And it's hard to recognize that sometimes, but that's huge. Mm. And and that's something that even my, you know, I'm trying to work on is just making sure that that's not something that's part of my thoughts, you know, thinking about being excited for maybe future seasons. There's nothing wrong with that, but not putting hope in it, mm -hmm. right? So... Okay, we've made it to the last three questions, awesome. and they'll be quick, but I ask them to every guest that comes on. So the first one, and the hardest one, is what is one thing you wish you knew as a 20-something? Kind of ties into what you just said, but if there was like one overarching thing that you're like, man, if I just knew that, life would have been maybe a tad bit better. Mm. <laughs> I, I think it's... It's hard because it, it's like something that I knew to be true, but I don't know how much I believed it. Yeah. But uh, just this idea that you are, you, <laughs> you will be in the next season of life, the person you're preparing to be in this one. Mm. And I don't mean that. I'm not contradicting all that I just said. I don't mean that circumstantially, like getting from the no job to job. I, sure. I mean that in terms of the character you're forging. Mm -hmm. I I am, you know, when Asher was born, I was a parent. I was a dad to a one-year-old based on the character and out of the character that I had cultivated two years before he was born, for right. better or for worse. Yeah. You know, the, the presence of patience or the absence of patience. And uh, I, I wish I would have taken that more seriously. Mm. I wish I would have taken more seriously that it it matters more who you are than what you do. Mm. And yeah. Mm. yeah. Yes. You, you know, being able to fix thoughts on that fact of like, okay, here's something that I'm desiring in the future and there's no problem in asking God for those desires, but remembering that uh, God is preparing you for that next season. Mm -hmm. And that almost is helpful just to even know like, okay, I'm in this right now because he has something 
better for me or he has maybe something hard mm-hmm. up ahead that he is preparing me for. And so that's a good hope to cling to yeah. is that he's, he's making me into somebody that looks more like his son and that should be good enough, mm-hmm. you know? So next one, what are you reading, listening to and or watching? I am reading uh, a book by a guy named Trimper Longman. He is a, a old Testament scholar called the cry of the soul and it's connected to a lot of this conversation is talking about it's basically a survey of the psalms Hmm. in um in how christians are to view emotions and all those kinds of things okay reading that um and uh i find myself going back lately to some i have a long list of things that i've read the first chapter of so (laughs) but i find myself going back to a few Mm. books lately that i read uh there's a book that i'm reading it's a uh, we're reading it as elders here at Citizens Church. Uh, it's by George Ladd. I read it in Bible college, and it's called The Gospel of the Kingdom. Super, mm. super helpful book for understanding the Bible and the story of the Bible. Cool. Um, but I don't. I I wish I had a great like fiction book that I'm reading, but I just don't. <laughs> it's yeah. fine. Um, no, you're like I'm too smart. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. No. 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 Uh, listening to. I uh, just finished listening to a podcast called This Cultural Moment. It's mm-hmm. by a guy named yeah. John Mark Comer out of Seattle, and then uh, uh, oh gosh, the guy from Australia. Um, it doesn't matter. Look it up. Yeah. So it's good. Uh, it's good. Yeah. <laughs> Anything that you're watching, are you a TV watcher? I am watching every Mavs game I have oh, time to watch oh boy. because it is so incredible what God <laughs> is doing on that team. Yes. No, uh, I, they're, they're so much fun. I love the Mavs uh, and uh, really disappointed with the Cowboys. But yeah. I, I'm a sport. Oh, if the TV's on, it's usually sports. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I'm a Rockets fan, so. Are you for yes. real? yes. Ooh, yeah, man. So, okay. I'm, we might have to delete this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Love the rockets. That's right, Grip. So. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Well, I get that. I can yeah. respect that. Yes. Then. Yes. Fear of the beard, you know? Wow. So, and lastly, what's refreshing you these days? Anything that's just like gives you life? You know. This is the girliest question out of all of them. I, so. I am I'm here <laughs> for it. Um my kids, I love being a dad, love my kids. Right now, my uh, our youngest, Ayla, is just at such a fun stage. Mm. It's like saying a few words and kind of watching her older brother and older sister and starting to imitate them. And she just, she's so observant, um, but still, you know, toddler. And so I just, she ha- has brought so much life into our home and I just love all of them for sure. But specifically right now with this season, just because of how unique it is, I just love being around her for sure. Yes, Her name is so beautiful too. I love her name. True story. Her older sister named her. No. Asher and Adeline. So we had two A names and not really intentionally just happened like that. And then, so we knew that the third one, we wanted an A name and I had an A name and Carrie had an A name and we did not agree. I didn't mm, like hers oh and boy. she didn't like mine. And so Carrie was going through a list on the internet of A names. And I, I think maybe she read Ayla at one point or something like that. And Addie, who was four at the time, or maybe five at the time, she just took to it and just started calling her Ayla. 
<laughs> no, we didn't make the decision. Oh she would point to Carrie's belly, and she's like, "That's Ayla." And when she talk about when Ayla gets here, and when Ayla's born, and which room oh is Ayla going to sleep in, and all that. And so we would always correct her, like, "Hey, we don't know what her name is, and all that." And then three or four months into that, you know, she's Carrie's probably seven months pregnant or something like that. We're riding in the car without the kids, and I said something like, "You know, when Ayla's born," and we both oh. looked at each other and we're like, "Okay." <laughs> That's what it is. And so she's Adeline, her, her big great. sister. She's really proud of that, the fact yes. that she named her. So, yeah. Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah, it's a I fun story. That. I love that. Anything else that was refreshing you? Um, right now, I am so encouraged by what God's doing at our church. Mm. It just to, um, to just see his hand in so many different ways at work among the people is just... Um, it has this season, especially in a number of different ways, but just what God's done at the church, it has had this effect of taking things that I've known to be true for a long time and just mm -hmm. driving them deeper into my soul. And mm -hmm. that's been, uh, exciting, just exciting. So, yeah. That is really cool. I yeah. love it. And I love experiencing it. Amen. <laughs> well, yeah. I'm love, I love that you're a part of it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Jamin, for coming on. I really appreciate it and had a lot of fun and learned so much so thank you awesome so glad to be on really am hey gals thanks for listening in today and i hope and pray that my conversation today with jamin was both helpful and impactful i'm so thankful for his words and the ways that he's helped me grow in my own walk with the lord as pastor of my church and my prayer is that you would also feel moved by the spirit because of his words if you want to hear more sermons from Jamin, which I highly recommend, you can do that at citizenschurch.com under resources, or they also have a podcast on iTunes where you can listen to them there. Also, I did some inventory last week and we are getting down to just a few sweatshirts in each color and size, so you better hurry before all of a sudden summer is here. So this month of February, I am giving you all 25% off with the code ILOVEWWL. So head to my website, which is www.waterwithlemonpodcast.com and get your favorite color and size and use the code ILOVEWWL in all caps at checkout to get 25% off. Also, if you take a picture with your sweatshirt on and send it to me, you could have the chance to be featured on my Instagram. Lastly, make sure you are subscribed to the show so that the episodes will just download automatically each week and you never have to miss an episode. Thanks for tuning in today and I'll catch you back next week. Stay fresh, my people.